Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi, wa man ihtada bihuda amma ba'd. We continue tonight, my dear brothers and sisters, we began discussing last week the part of the book where the great Imam speaks about the virtue of the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'een. There is no doubt that the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam are the greatest people of this ummah after its prophet. There is no one better than the companions of our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the ulama from the past have also mentioned that out of all the prophets and messengers, no prophet or messenger was given companionship like the companionship of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with his sahaba. The companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam are the greatest companions of any prophet or messenger. Think of all the prophets and messengers and no doubt they had their companions also. Isa alayhi salam had his companions, Musa had his companions. But the greatest companions of a prophet were the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this can easily understood by reading in their seerah and learning about their lives and what they committed and sacrificed for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we began speaking about some of the virtues of them. And there's no doubt also that the sahaba among themselves there are some who are more virtuous than others. And we said the best of the Sahaba is who? Who's the best of the companions? Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, radiallahu anhu. Is there a difference of opinion regarding this in Islam? Absolutely not. And after Abu Bakr comes who? Umar al-Faruq, radiallahu anhu. After Umar, Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu dhunnurain and after Uthman the fourth is Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'een there's no doubt these four are the best and then the sheikh gets into more detail regarding who is considered to be greater than others before we get into that an important question that we should know the answer to inshallah and that is what is a companion of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Or who is considered to be a companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? In order for someone to be a companion of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there's a criteria. There is conditions that have to be met in order for someone to be considered a sahabi, a companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. No doubt they are the best of people. So the question is, 
what are the conditions for someone to be a companion of the Prophet ﷺ? Or who can give us the definition of what a companion is? Anyone? MashaAllah, Tabarakallah, Mr. Rababi. Akhuna Hani has given us the complete definition of a companion. And that is anyone who has met the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, as a Muslim and died as a Muslim. Anyone who met the Prophet وسلم, as a Muslim and died as a Muslim. This might sound like a general definition, but believe it or not, it's very specific. And if you pay attention to the exact wording in this definition, you'll understand why. The first condition is that he met the Prophet ﷺ or she met the Prophet ﷺ. So this cancels out who? Anyone who did not meet the Prophet ﷺ. They are not considered a companion, even if they were Muslim in his time. So the first condition is that they must have met Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And by meeting, the scholars are very specific. Meeting does not mean seeing. Meeting does not mean seeing. Because if seeing him was a condition, the blind sahaba would not be sahaba. Because some of the companions were blind. Correct? Meeting means to be in his presence. That's all it means. To be in his presence as a Muslim. That's the second condition. So the first one is that they met the Prophet ﷺ. The second one is that they are Muslim when they met him. That they are Muslim in his presence. Why? Because believe it or not, there were people that met the Prophet ﷺ, but they were disbelievers. Then they became Muslim after his death. And this does not make them Sahaba. Can you see how detailed the definition is? So if someone met the Prophet ﷺ as a non-Muslim, then after Rasulullah ﷺ died, that person became a Muslim, He's not considered a companion. Because to be a Sahabi, you have to have met the Prophet ﷺ while you were a Muslim in his life. The third condition is that he dies on Islam. Is that the person dies as a Muslim. Why is that a condition? Once again, there were people who met the Prophet ﷺ as Muslims. Then after the Prophet ﷺ's death, they left Islam. And they died as disbelievers. Is that person a companion? No. He's not a companion. Because he did not meet the condition. So the first condition 
is that he met the Prophet And by meeting, it means to be in his presence. The second condition is that he met him as a Muslim. And the third condition is that he died as a Muslim. Anyone that fits that criteria is considered a Sahabi. Okay. Let's get a bit more technical now. Someone met the Prophet ﷺ as a Muslim. Then after the Prophet ﷺ died, that person left Islam. After he left Islam, after the Prophet's death, he then became a Muslim again. Then he died as a Muslim. Is he a companion or not? Huh? Yes. So he was a Muslim in the time of Rasulullah. He met the Prophet as a Muslim. After the Prophet died, this person left Islam. Then later on, he became a Muslim again and he passed away. Is he a Muslim or is he a Sahabi or not? Hani? No. Yes? Yes? No? Who says yes? One, two, three, four, five. The, mi- the minority say yes. And that's proof that the majority are not always right. It is. He is considered a Sahabi. And that's what Ibn Hajar rahimahullah mentioned. That he is a companion even if he left Islam in between. As long as he met the Prophet ﷺ as a Muslim and he ended up dying as a Muslim, doesn't matter what happened in between, he's considered to be a companion. And there is khilaf on that mas'ala, but the more correct is that yes, he is considered to be a companion. It's important to know this, Shabab, because the Sahaba are special. They are different to everyone else. And you have people that were Muslim in the time of the Prophet ﷺ while he was alive, but they never met him. There are people that were Muslim while the Prophet ﷺ was alive, but they never met him. And they are not considered to be Sahaba. Can anyone think of anyone like this? Huh? Excellent. The king of Ethiopia. When you read the seerah, didn't the king of Ethiopia become a Muslim? But he never met Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa But he was a Muslim in his time. And the Prophet ﷺ prayed janazah on him when he passed away. But was the king of Ethiopia a companion? No. Because he never met Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There's a special name given to these people. The ones who were Muslim in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu but they never met him. That's what are called, or those people are called, the Mukhadramun. A Mukhadram, Mukhadram, is someone who was a Muslim in the time of Rasulullah wasallam, but he never met him. And they're also very special. And some scholars, some of the people of knowledge, give them the category Beneath the companions and above the tabi'een The tabi'een who are the students of the sahaba Some scholars put the mukhadram in between them too Because they're below the sahaba but they're still better than the tabi'een Because they were Muslim in the time of Rasulullah For the deen is very technical in these things 
And it's important to know this why Because of our aqidah Regarding the sahaba We believe all the companions Allah is pleased with them So it's important we know these definitions To know who falls into the category of a companion And who doesn't And once we can confirm someone is a sahabi Our aqidah regarding him Must be the same regarding all the sahaba And that's why the great imam In his book of aqidah Puts a chapter about the sahaba only And he says Or the sheikh that's explaining the book He says If anyone were to spend The likes of the mountain of Uhud In pure gold Giving it all away in charity It will not be equal in reward To that of the charity of a handful In food given by the Sahabi Not even half a handful And that's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ When he said do not curse my companions He said if one of you Meaning those who come after Was to give in sadaqah Gold like the mountain of Uhud Allahu Akbar That's an unimaginable amount Imagine the mountain of Uhud in gold And you gave it in the path of Allah The Prophet ﷺ said If you done that That would not even reach the level Of one companion Giving a handful of food Not even half So half a handful of food From a companion in sadaqah Is better Than anyone giving a mountain of gold That's not a companion That's how great the Sahaba are You can never match them In their virtue You can never match them In their reward And if my memory serves me correctly It was Imam Ahmad Rahimahullah Or one of the great Imams He was asked Who is better? Umar ibn Abdul Aziz Rahimahullah Or Muawiyah radiallahu anhu Muawiyah is a sahabi Umar ibn Abdul Aziz was from the great Khulafa But he wasn't a companion So the Imam answered with a beautiful answer He said the fact that Muawiyah radiallahu anhu Prayed behind Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Coming up from salah saying Sami' Allahu liman hamida And Muawiyah replying Rabbana wa lakal hamd Makes him greater and uncomparable This is our aqidah with the companions We love the sahaba And we believe in their virtue And that no one can match them in reward Or righteousness Because Allah has praised them In the Quran In many places The Shaykh says in addition to that Amongst the companions themselves Some are more virtuous than others No doubt The Sahaba are levels themselves. And no doubt those who migrated from Mecca to Al-Madina are given preference over the Ansar. We spoke about this last week. The A'imma have mentioned that the Muhajirun are the best of the Sahaba. The ones that migrated from Mecca are greater than the Ansar of Medina. Because they left their homes, they left their wealth, they left their children And they migrated with Rasulullah for the sake of Allah As Allah said about them in the Quran 
Look at this heavy praise Allah has given the muhajirin in this verse. Allah says about them that they are seeking bounties from Allah to please Him and helping Allah and His Messenger. Allahu Akbar. What a praise from Allah to the muhajirin in this verse. The Shaykh says, and the best of those who migrated, the best of the muhajirun, no doubt are the four khulafa that we just spoke about. Abu Bakr, then Umar, then Uthman, then Ali, radiallahu ta'ala anhum. This is the, this is the, the ranking of the Sahaba. This is the ranking of the Sahaba in Islam. Those four are the best in that order. Then next in virtue are the remaining ten. After the four, the ten mubashirin bil jannah. The ten who were given glad tidings. And the four are from them. Then with the other six. They're the best, no doubt. Following them are the ones that witnessed the battle of Badr. The ones that witnessed the battle of Badr. The Sahaba that fought in the battle of Badr are considered to be the best companions. Why? Because that battle was a harsh battle. It was the first battle in Islam and the Muslims were small in number. Even the Prophet ﷺ in the battle of Badr, when he pitched his tent, he was making dua, what was he saying to Allah? Oh Allah, send down your victory or you will no longer be worshipped on earth. These are your believers here. So can you imagine how special they were? The 317 of them that fought in that battle. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, after the battle of Badr, what did he say? Allah looked at the people of Badr and he said, do as you please. Allahu Akbar. That's how great these Sahaba were. And when you learn seerah of the companions, when you read the seerah of the Sahaba, any companion you come across, if he was in the battle of Badr, it's the first thing they mention about him. He was in Badr. Because it's an honor. He was in the battle of Badr. So the Sahaba of the battle of Badr, no doubt, they are the best and from the best of them. Then after them, is the Sahaba who are called the people of the tree. The people of the tree. Why are they called that? Because they're the companions who gave bay'ah. They pledged the allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ beneath the tree. It took place beneath the tree. Allah said about them, لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ Allahu Akbar. Allah is pleased with the believers who gave you allegiance under the tree. This is our aqeedah. Our aqeedah comes from the Qur'an. Not from anything else. The kitab and the sunnah. Allah praised them and loves them. We praise them and love them. And here, Allah informs us that He is pleased with them. The Shaykh says, How is it possible that after this clarity from Allah, it cannot get clearer than that? لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ Look how clear Allah is pleased with those who pledged allegiance to you. The Sheikh says, 
after this clear verse, how can some from the evil, wicked sinners come along and curse the Sahaba? And in particular, the Rafidah or the Shia. How can they come and curse the Sahaba after Allah has praised them in the Quran? May Allah destroy the people of sin and misguidance. Also those who accepted Islam before the opening of Mecca. Mecca was opened by the Muslims. The Muslims conquered Mecca. Allah in the Quran, He says the ones who became Muslim before conquering Mecca are much greater than the ones who became Muslim after conquering Mecca. Why? It's easy. Because when the Muslims are conquering lands and opening lands and they have the upper hand, it's easy for people to become Muslim. You can see the victory and the wealth and whatever it is, it's easy. But when the Muslims are weaker in terms of men or whatever else, numbers, and the early Muslims done it very tough, they were tortured, punished, kicked out of their homes, their lands, killed. So to become a Muslim in the hard times is much harder than being a Muslim in the easy times. And that's why Allah says, the ones who gave before the opening of Mecca are not comparable to the ones who gave after. Yani the ones who gave after cannot match them. And it's true. When you're, a, when you're a steadfast Muslim in times of hardship, that's where you prove yourself to Allah Azza wa Jal. Not when things are easy. Even though it's, you have to, even in times of ease, you have to be a, a, a firm Muslim. But imagine in the eyes of Allah how this person looks, that he went through thick and thin and he remained firm in his deen. This in the eyes of Allah is great. Where he faces punishment, persecution, torture, murder, starvation, Quraysh, didn't they boycott the Muslims for three years? They boycotted the Muslims. They were eating from the leaves of the trees. Allahu Akbar. Refusing to give up their deen for Allah Azza wa Jal. So how can you compare those to them? That's why the ulama say the early Muslims are the best. It's no doubt. Even though they're all good, without a doubt. But the early Muslims... The ones in Badr, the ones who pledged allegiance, the four khulafa, the muhajirun, you can't compare to these people. Because they were there, as they say, through thick and thin. Yeah? And it took their iman to prove themselves to Allah Azza wa Jal. And you read the stories about them, there's plenty. The sacrifices that they went through. For the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal. Like Mus'ab ibn Umayr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The young teenager. Which is a lot of the shabab that we see here today. Mus'ab should be the example for us. Radiallahu anhu. 
He was from the most spoiled teenagers of Mecca. Mus'ab, they said you can tell Mus'ab's coming before you can see him from his scent. He used to have the most extravagant clothing and perfume. Yeah? And he was just a young teenager. And he became a Muslim. And after he became a Muslim, his parents gave him ultimatum, his family. His family was very rich from the richest people of Mecca. They said to him, it's either us or Muhammad If you go with Muhammad you've got nothing to do with us. Wasn't even debatable. He said, I choose Allah and his messenger. And then he participated in the battle of Uhud and he was martyred. And we all know the famous story. When he was martyred, he died with a garment that could not cover his whole body. If they covered his head, his feet showed. If they covered his feet, his head showed. And the Nabi Wasallam cried because he remembered what Mus'ab was before. It's from the most spoiled teenagers. And he gave all up. Not part of it, all of it. For Allah Azza wa Jal, this is a lesson for us. Or for you, I was going to say us, use the shabab. These are much younger than me. To show what? That this deen, the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal, it requires sacrifice. To prove yourself to Allah, you have to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice your nafs, your desire, your ego. You have to put all of that beneath you for your Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what made the Sahaba the Sahaba. Because they proved themselves to Allah Azza wa Jal. And it's funny when you hear people today say, I wish I was alive in the time of Rasulullah This is an impossible wish, obviously. You can't, you weren't alive in their time. But what we have to understand, these people, they were handpicked by Allah Azza wa Jal to be his companions for a reason. Because Allah knew the men that they were. Allah knew that they will prove themselves to Allah. And Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, the Sahabi himself, after the death of the Prophet what did he say in his famous words? He said, Allah Azza wa Jal looked into the hearts of all the creation. Allah looked into the hearts of all humans from the time of Adam until the end. And he found the heart of Muhammad وسلم, to be the best amongst them. So he chose him for his message. He then said, this is Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he's a companion himself. He said, then Allah looked into the hearts of the servants again and he found the hearts of the Sahaba to be the greatest among them. So he chose them to be his companions and messengers. Don't wish that you were alive in that time. How do you know you wouldn't have fought against the Prophet ﷺ? He came with a deen, with an ideology that the Arab found very strange. They fought him for it. The Muslims were minority at the beginning. He came with something that they said was so strange. Of a Sahaba that became Muslim early on in his time, imagine what they had to go through. And that's why Allah knew who to pick, without a doubt. And he picked the best of people to carry that message after Muhammad Abu Bakr, Umar, 
Uthman, Ali, radiallahu ta'ala anhum, they carried the message perfectly. And that's why they're the best companions of, every, of any prophet. Think of every other prophet in the past, their companions, may Allah reward them, but they were not able to continue the message. That's why every other message got lost. But look at the message of Muhammad sallallahu today. Continues, untouched, preserved, perfect. On whose back? The back of the Sahaba. That's why when people curse the companions, they're cursing the deen. When people accuse the Sahaba, they're accusing the deen. Because the deen came on their back. And that's why the Rafidah are from the biggest enemies to Islam. No doubt. They're the biggest enemies to Islam. As the Sheikh will soon mention when he discusses those who curse and speak about the companions, radiallahu ta'ala, anhum. And inshallah we will continue with this chapter. The Sheikh prolongs a little bit in it. In our next lesson, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala wa'alam. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. This program was presented by Al-Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.